Welcome to the Free Flow Football Podcast. On today's episode, Nick and I discuss all the four matchups in the Champions League that took place this week, PSG Man United, Real Madrid Ajax, Spurs Dortmund, and Roma Porto. We kind of got a little bit off track, but have a listen. Hey guys, it's Mahith Gamaj, the host of the Free Flow Football Podcast. I am joined by Nick Delaney as usual. Nick, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Mahith. Yourself? Uh, not bad. Um... Today's games are really exciting, and we're going to go over them, including Tuesday's games, which was Manchester United versus PSG and Roma versus Porto. Um, we're going to start with Man U PSG because that was uh, the biggest game probably of the week. I know Real Madrid was in action, and uh, Tottenham, Tottenham and uh, Dortmund was a great matchup as well, but Man U PSG was the heavyweight clash, especially with it being at Old Trafford. And, you know, Di Maria coming back home and no Neymar and all that stuff. But, yeah, so the game was at Old Trafford. Manchester United are in great form. You know, they're winning basically every game under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Pogba was playing out of this world. Rashford was playing out of this world. Um, they started with De Gea and, of course, Ashley Young played at right back. Lindelof Bailey at center back. Luke Shaw at left back. Midfield was Herrera, Matic, Pogba. And the front three was Lingard, Martial, Rashford. For PSG, it was Buffon in net. Um, it was a bit of a strange lineup. I mean, Thilo Kerr played right back. Silva Kimpembe played at center back. Bernat played left back, as you'd expect. But then, as you go further up the lineup, I mean, Danny Alves was playing right wing. Verratti was playing midfield with Marquinhos, who um, has been used in midfield against Liverpool and some other Champions League games. Di Maria, Draxler, and Mbappe were the front three. Um, I mean, this game was deadlocked at halftime, and... It was, you know, it, it wasn't a very open game. I mean, it was quite cagey, fouls here and there, a lot of yellow cards, but Presnel Kempembe opened the scoring in the 53rd minute, he scored with an open net off a corner. Matic kind of lost track of him a bit there. De Gea didn't really come off his line. It was a really, really avoidable goal, and I think that really was a shot to the gut for Man U and, and Solskjaer. And then from here, it's it's a lot, um, a lot of, testing for the coach, you know, seeing how Solskjaer could react to this. He didn't really. Um, Mbappe poked in a second goal in the 60th minute after a blazing run, split the split the center backs. And the thing for Manchester United, I mean, Martial got injured, Lingard got injured, Alexis came on, Mata came on, and that is a significant drop-off in quality. I mean, I know Alexis is a big name and Mata's a big name, but they're not playing the way they should be, I guess. Maybe it's the fact that um, they're just not—they're not as sharp anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they might be—they might have peaked earlier. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. also—it seems like the United front three of Rashford, Martial, and Lingard is a youthful kind of explosive athletic mm-hmm. difference. While Sanchez is still athletic, in my opinion, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think Mata is definitely a different kind of player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a different. He's just a different mold of a, a winger or a a um, midfielder than Lingard or a Rashford or a Martial would be. Mm-hmm. 
And for both PSG's goals, it was Angel Di Maria who got the assists, the former Manchester United player, and uh, a bit of antics towards the crowd after the first goal win. And I mean, you know, like he was screaming profanities at the crowd, which I think he is going to get fined for that. But I mean, you can tell with that the way he feels about that club. I mean, after one year there, where he he wasn't he wasn't bad. He just you know no, he's playing he under. Won under a very tough situation with Louis van Hall as manager and it didn't really work out but you know he was mid-20s at the time and they should have given him more time but they sort of just sent him out way too early and I guess he's still a bit salty about that so I mean it's <laughs> a it's a really good way for him to salty. shut them up though Pardon? he like he, he shut them up like completely I mean what can you say oh about yeah that? I um when I used to watch a lot of Premier League he was he was the one player that I, I kind of saw a, little, a lot of quality. And when I mean Premier League, I watched a lot of Man United in the first couple of years of watching football. And I just still don't understand why United got rid of him so quickly. It's not that his season was like a, a 2 out of 10 or a 1 out of 10. It was maybe like, it was it was underperforming for a player of that price tag. I believe mm-hmm. it was 59, 60 million at the time. Mm-hmm. And also how big of a name he was coming from Madrid, being the Champions League final, man of the match, um, yeah. doing well, well, well for Real Madrid. But I always thought that they should have kept him, and I, I guess he feels the same way. Certainly is not pleased with how the club was. In the second goal, when he, he got that low cross to Mbappe, which is a great finish, and a very good, intelligent run from the 20-year-old, can't mm-hmm. believe like 20 years old when he does a smart play like that, <laughs> but he was getting hardly, like, pretty loudly whistled when mm-hmm. when he had the ball. And they, you could tell that the United fans are just not going to ever like him ever again. Yeah, I mean, they're not really ever going to see him much, so <laughs> I don't think no. they have to really worry about it. But, I mean, this is his first game back game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, that, that, that's generally the biggest game of their, their mm-hmm. season right now, right? United yeah. has has tripped over themselves every single time they get in the round of 16. Mm-hmm. They lost to Sevilla, which is a which is a pretty bad loss when you yeah. in terms of a name. Mm-hmm. But as a fan of Spanish football, I'm not so surprised with that result since Sevilla is always a Sevilla is a part of the top 6 in Spain in my opinion generally of quality. Yeah. They may not be there always, but they're always very good, but United seems to just trip and fall every time when they they get to the round of 16 and it looks like especially with uh, the Pogba red card at the very yeah. end of the game it seems as though that's, that's the nail in the coffin yeah I was just about to mention Paul Pogba who I said has been playing amazing since the end of December yeah. basically since Mourinho got sacked and this was a way for him to sort of get his name back into that top bracket you know a, a couple Good Premier League performances isn't really going to get you back amongst the, the you know, the Croces, the De Bruyne's, the Modric's. But, you know, if he performed well against PSG, I don't see why he couldn't be. I mean, he obviously has a talent, and we're just waiting for yeah. him to sort of hit hit new heights, and he basically failed miserably. I mean, the red card was pretty deserved. I mean, that last foul was a blatant yellow. Um, yeah, now and he's, he had a yellow before. Exactly, yeah. And he's gone for, for the away leg, and I think... That is going to be that. I think that's it for United. I mean, that's their their biggest player, their most important player, their best player, and he's gone for the oh, second leg. 
Yeah, by far. I mean, I don't expect Fred to be making plays <laughs> the way Pogba did. I mean, do you remember the the play that Pogba made on the right side of the field where he gets the ball, he kind of stutter steps with it, mm-hmm. beats one man, goes completely around him, and drives in a low cross, not really a good cross or a good pass, right, to Buffon, but the way he got around his man as a big man who's... I believe six three, six four. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's you know, you can see the talent, but yeah, it's so I mean, rare. He's one of those players where he's he's always going to be very good um, mm-hmm. against lower opposition, mid level opposition, yeah. and he'll show up once in a while for um, big games. I mean, we saw it last year in the Man City game. Oh yeah, United was down one. I believe it was one nothing. Mm-hmm. And he came back and he he stole that uh, game from City. Yeah, it was two two nothing actually at halftime, and he scored uh, oh, yeah. two goals. So that that's even more of a credit to Pogba, and, mm-hmm. and also he's got a World Cup uh, final goal, and he yeah. was the winning goal actually. From what, I, from, from what I remember in the France yeah. uh, campaign. Yeah, he was great. Um, for him, I mean, like. I don't I don't know how to how to even describe him anymore because he's so on and off and he's a really frustrating player sometimes. I mean, yes or in against um in this match, I mean, for Mbappe's goal, it was him who gave away the ball that allowed PSG to counter and it was a needless mm-hmm. giveaway. I mean, he was down on on the left touchline basically and he was just, you know, doing his his little flicks and tricks, his little showboating and he lost the ball obviously and that's what led to the Mbappe goal so I think you know I think this game can be directly linked to him linked to him because I mean regardless of whether he whether he caused the goals or whether he you know got the red if, if he didn't get the red card if he didn't cause the goal he would still be criticized because you know the talisman of the team is always the one who's scapegoated but yeah, here here yeah here he's you know he Along with being the scapegoat, regardless of what happens, he also contributed to a bad loss, and he—I mean, his red card probably finishes off the tie. So yeah. I don't really know what to think about him. I mean, he's not going to get a chance to redeem himself in the second leg. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got to—he's got to either get them to the Champions League spot or win the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think that's the only way the English media isn't going to breathe down his neck mm-hmm. on criticism. Uh, quick question for you on how you mentioned his flicks and tricks on the left touch line. I always associate that with a kind of a forward like Neymar, Ronaldo. Yeah. Do you think it's kind of a, an attitude when he's doing those flicks and tricks and, as a midfielder and he loses the ball? Because you don't see a world-class player like Modric. I never saw any yeah. to do it. I, never, I don't see De Bruyne doing that. And I think pure talent... I would say Pogba is better than all of them. Yeah. But pure talent doesn't make you always a great player. Mm-hmm. So do you believe that's attitude or do you think it's something else? Because that's my opinion. I think I mean, the attitude there is a little different. Mm, yeah. I would, players I mentioned. I mean, you know, in the Premier League when you're playing against decent sides, it's going to work. I mean, he's great when he, like, you know, links up with the left back and the other, you know, the, the forwards. But... I mean, this is PSG, and they were needing a goal, and you can't really afford to do that kind of stuff in this kind of game. So I was a little, you know, disappointed in him, and I think it was a little bit of 
lacking judgment from him, you know, in, for the situation that they were in. Um, I don't really, you know, if he does it against like Burnley, it's like whatever. It's probably gonna work anyway. So um, yeah, yeah, he is I mean, a talented it didn't player. Work earlier, like mm-hmm. you said before, but I, I don't yeah. know. It, it, he he it, is obviously yeah, maybe, talented. Maybe maybe yeah. it is a lack of judgment. You might you yeah. might be right, or maybe it's a lack of focus too. Maybe he's just kind of think <laughs> somehow had a a little escape of reality and thought he was playing in the touch part. That's yeah, kind of a stupid explanation, but. Well, he made a bad play. Yeah, I'm going back to his talent. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier, or I think yesterday, but I mean, how many players of his height are able to move around like that? I mean, there are hardly hardly any midfielders who are that tall, and the only other players who are that tall are goalkeepers, strikers, center backs, and none of them are normally that you know able to mo- able to move around so easily and yeah that technically gifted i mean pog was like a yeah. a rare specimen that you don't really Absolutely. find anywhere he is the one of the soccer players i could always see playing canadian or american football mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. because of that that um that size that strength mm-hmm. um the only other player that i could think of at the moment who is that technically good is ibrahimovic mm. but ibrahimovic who is probably stronger than Pogba is not as is not as fast or quick, yeah. which definitely helps when it comes to dribbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I I think Diego Costa is a little underrated with his dribbling techniques, but for surely not. This, he's not up there with Pogba. Yeah. And I can't really think of anybody else who's that height and or weight that yeah. that good technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. It's pretty pretty wild. I mean, I, I didn't even think about it until recently. It's kind of a, you know, he, he's such a, a per, like, he, he's the kind of, I remember when Euro 2016 was ramping up, and he was the, the guy everybody was hyping up. You know, mm-hmm. Pogba's going to lead France to victory, or Pogba's going to really do really well for France. Mm-hmm. And I think he put in a good, he put in a good working man, effort for it but yeah he didn't fully live up to the hype in my opinion mm-hmm. but he just he, he's the perfect kind of midfielder that i would want to see you know oh, yeah. big so he can hold <laughs> off everybody he's mm-hmm. explosive he can he can make a play he can hit a long ball he can hit a long shot you know he could do all those things him mm-hmm. he could get into the box he can head the ball he could really do do anything he, he generally wants exactly. maybe not defend like guy like Casemiro or something like that but that's not his job right mm-hmm. he he often reminds me of I think this is going back to a, a, my bias of Atletico like kind of like a Saul player except better except bigger except more mm-hmm. gifted yeah. and maybe a little less defensively gifted but definitely more talented in every other way yeah I just I just wish he was more consistent you know and I wish he was able to perform at the highest levels all the time yeah Okay. It's weird. Do you, it's weird how how much of a hype he had at Juventus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it 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 makes me wonder is is it the league that maybe he's not it's not working for him because I am not buying that they need seventy more players to unlock him. That's, yeah. That's an awful excuse mm-hmm. that I don't want to hear at all. Yeah, and I think you know that's done now. I mean with. I mean, Matic, Herrera, Fred, like, nobody's been able to get him to the level that 
he's supposed to be at, and I think it's going to come down to the manager. I mean, Solskjaer's done a great, like, I mean, ever since Solskjaer come in, um, Pogba's played at a way higher level than he did under Mourinho, so I think, you know, it has more to do with the manager than the players around him, really. So, speaking of the manager, this is Solskjaer's first loss since coming in around two months ago. I mean, they come back down to earth now, along with having the the injuries ahead of a crucial period. I mean, they play, I think it's Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Manchester City within the span of the next month, along with the second leg against PSG. I mean, they are in a position to challenge for top four right now. I mean, that could come crashing down. I mean, it's like before they know it. Mm-hmm. And, you know. It could happen really, really quickly for United. And mm-hmm. it could. Maybe it shows the um, terrible transfer business that they've done over the past couple of years, buying players that haven't fully developed as they thought it, they would. Um, and. It might show the uh, the kind of um, the instant gratification at getting a new manager when you hate mm-hmm. your old manager because that's mm-hmm. what we both originally thought was United was playing a lot better when they got rid of Mourinho because of the fact that they probably just did not like playing for him anymore and they wanted him yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now the honeymoon seems to be somewhat over. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, a 2 nothing loss to the best team in France who has world-class talent and definitely has a better starting 11 than a United team and also a lot more of an experienced manager in mm-hmm. Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, it's not a huge... It's, it's, it's a warning sign. It's not a, it's not a back-breaking loss. Yeah. But... You know, it remains to be seen how they respond. And mm-hmm. I honestly think that Schulzeier is going to... I think he is going to fail, honestly, in, in terms of adjusting to big teams playing against him. I know Arsenal, they beat them in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. And I get that they beat them in the Emirates. But I think when when you go to the... When you play in the Premier League, and especially in the knockout stages of the Champions League, you're going to get exposed by big teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to, you know, you have to play against teams of higher quality and and ones that are used to a different style. I mean, I like PSG, or a team that Manchester United haven't faced in years, right? I mean, like when was it like? I mean, these players haven't played against Mbappe against Di Maria. I mean, it's a whole new thing. Whereas you know, all the coaches, all the players know what you know. They know what De Bruyne is going to bring to the table. They know what Aubameyang is going to bring. They know what Salah is going to bring. But with these players, it's very difficult because they don't know as much about them. I guess. <laughs> And, you know, I, I do think the honeymoon period is going to come crashing down real soon with the fixtures coming up. And, you know, if you didn't believe in what in a honeymoon period for a manager before this year, you do now. Because, I mean, Maurizio Sarri's first few months, Chelsea went unbeaten. And they were the last unbeaten team in Europe, I think, in all competitions at one point. And now, you know, three straight destructive away losses. They lost 2-0 to Arsenal, 4-0 to Bournemouth, and then 6-0 to Man City. I mean, they're just going up by twos. And then Arsenal went 22 unbeaten under Emery to start the season, basically. And, you know, they, they haven't come crashing down, but it's slowed down significantly. So I think, you know, I think that's definitely a thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, you mentioned Thomas Tuchel, who um, has come into PSG this year and, and done quite a good job. I mean, 
he didn't have Neymar in this game. He didn't have Cavani in this game on such short notice, especially Cavani. I mean, he just lost him over the weekend. Yeah. I mean, he had to adjust. Um, some you know some some brilliant you know some brilliant tactical moves. I mean, man marking Pogba, getting Draxler in behind him was uh was you know was how PSG created their chances and you know moving Danny Alves to the right wing, um, trusting guys like Bernat and Tilo Carrer. Um, yeah. You know, last year, I mean, the last two years they've been under Unai Emery, who I just mentioned. But last year they lost to Real Madrid. The year before that, they you know, like blew themselves up against Barcelona. Do you think PSG are better suited now than they were in the last two years? Hmm. I think that adding Mbappe has added a lot of a lot of excitement to. PSG in terms of a fan sense, but that's definitely not your question. I think Tuchel <laughs> is improving the squad for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, it, you know, it's it's hard to think of how you how how do you go from four nothing <laughs> and you get an away goal <laughs> and and you lose. How how does that happen? I yeah. mean, it's laughable, and I, I mean, know. I just. I don't understand it. I think Thiago Silva also has has stepped up. Oh yeah. You know there were a couple of rumors saying that he was he was just didn't want to play in those knockout stages, yeah. which is a beta male mentality. Yeah. As good of a player as he has been over over the course of his career, but I think now it seems as though he's carrying that armband. Mm-hmm. He seems to be kind of playing a little bit more of a leadership. Maybe Tuchel is you know. Hyping the girls up, you know, getting the cheerleaders out for, <laughs> yeah. for Tiago Silva, mm-hmm. and power to him. You know, Tiago Silva is a great, quiet leader. It seems, mm-hmm. but yeah. I also think that you know he, the Tuchel suits this PSG team in yeah. terms of the style point. Yeah, definitely. Um, it seems as though Emre, I, I don't really have a beat on his style because it seems one week or a couple weeks he's going ultra defensive. Yeah, he, he he's been watching a lot of. Simeone, and then all of a sudden he's like Guardiola. Yeah. I love him too. And then he just he goes back and forth yeah, on the styles. But yeah. Tuchel is definitely a, a a player, or sorry, not a player, a manager that fits a ultra mm-hmm. star studded PSG side. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think he's a better manager than Unai Emery is for sure. And the, with the way that the PSG players have been talking about, you know, Tuchel recently, they're low-key just firing shots at Emery, saying, oh yeah, training is a lot better now, we're actually focusing on this. They don't mention Emery directly, but you know, you know that's a shot at him somehow. I just don't think that was the right fit. And uh, I do think Tuchel is a, is a great fit for this team, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to Real Madrid versus Ajax um, on Wednesday at the Amsterdam Arena. You know, uh, I, I would actually say both of these teams are are like... You, you wouldn't expect Ajax to really compete, but when you look at them on paper, I mean, Real Madrid had Regulon starting, Vinicius starting, and Ajax, of course, have their own, you know, young talent, but you think of Ajax as, like, this young team, but, I mean, they've got experience. They have um, Daily Blind, who has Champions League experience, you know, Hakim Ziyech has been there for a while, Dusan Tadic, Lazi Shana is 32 and is still playing at a high level, this game was way more even than I think many people expected. I mean, shots on target, Ajax 7, Real Madrid 8. Possession, Ajax 51% and Real Madrid 49%. Uh, 
Ajax stayed, you know, stayed throughout the match. I mean, stayed in the match throughout. Benzema did open the scoring in the 60th minute with a great finish. I mean, it was Vinicius who created the goal with a brilliant run down the left yeah, the left flank and then yeah. cutting into the box and just showing so much composure. Um, Ziyech, oh, yeah. Ziyech equalized in the 75th with a nice left foot, left foot first time finish. Asensio won the game late on as he tapped in the winner. Onana sort of, you know, came off his line and didn't really work out. But man, Vinicius Jr. was playing for, I think, Real Madrid Castilla like three, four months ago in like yeah. September, October. And now he is mm-hmm. one of the first names on the team sheet. I mean, he has made the step up like crazy. Oh, yeah. He is a athletic specimen already at 18 years old. Yeah. His speed is, is phenomenal. His technique is really good because he, he gets he, – he's definitely not the most physical of players in terms of strength, but he, he, he shreds people when, when he gets that corner. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Madrid derby, he really impressed me. He just kind of shook off Jimenez and, and made him challenge him controversially inside or outside the box, whatever team basically you're cheering for. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he has really, really stepped up with his play and I just want to mention when you said um, showing great composure or for his um, for that set up to Benzema I thought yeah. that was a lot of maturity as well yeah. that's a really really good sign for mm-hmm. a young 18 year old player you know he's so fresh he came from Brazil last year and yeah. he was playing in I think I don't know if Real Madrid Castilla, Castilla is in the third division or yeah. second division but Regardless, I mean, he he's really stepped up plate. I mean, at this point right now, Vinicius is definitely going to be the alpha, whereas like Asensio, who was thought of mm-hmm. that he was going to be the next star, I don't know if he's going to be that guy anymore for yeah. them. Um, I also want to mention that, uh, I mean, Benzema had his 60th goal in the Champions League, fourth all-time. Yeah, um, a I was... player who is I am actually a big fan of, mm-hmm. um, and he is just so disrespected all the time. Yeah, I just and that was a great finish today too. Mm-hmm. Oh I yeah, mean, it was kind of like a cross body shot going into the left corner. Goal, goalie was never going to save it. Um, yeah. a player who is you know he's had a controversies for sure in the past, but I mean he's been Real Madrid starting striker for how long? Ten years, basically. Ten years, yeah. Yeah. And he's been their best attacker this year. I mean, Bale has let that down and picked it up by far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's the fourth all-time scoring Champions League player behind Messi, Ronaldo, and Raul, Raul, which is unbelievable. Um. Last season, Benzema struggled a lot, and people were saying, "Oh, he's he's only in the team because Ronaldo likes playing with him." But I mean, Ronaldo left, and Benzema is the main man now, and he is producing like, like you know, yeah. like, like like this is 2011, 2012. Um, I think he's a really, really good player, and you know, he's been underrated for a long time, and I really do hope people look back at him and think that you know maybe he was better than we thought he was. I mean, he, he's already at 20 goals this year. Last year, he scored 12 all year. And going back to yeah. Vinicius, Vinicius has. He has 12 assists this season in 23 games. That is ridiculous. Wow. And is... and add three goals to that. So I, I cannot believe he's putting up numbers like this. I'd, I'm pretty sure that's more than he got in his final year in Brazil already. I can't oh, believe that. Geez. But 
Jeez Louise. Yeah, but I mean Benzema, amazing player. He can. I mean, he's a complete striker. He can really do anything. He can. Yeah. He can run in yeah. behind. He's he's great with his back to goal and great through the air as well. I mean, he's he's been a joy to watch over the years and a really really yeah. good player. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention on the goal for Essential that the cross and the play from Carb Howe, mm-hmm. who I still consider to be the best right back in the world, was just superb. A really, really good player. And another thing you mentioned is um, I'm going to get his name wrong. Grugani, the uh, the left um, the left back for Real Madrid. Reg- regular, very, like I don't know, like he's starting over Marcelo, right? right. Yeah, that, that's what I was just about to mention. It's very interesting how they they're not wanting to play Marcelo, who is easily the best left back in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for a Champions League knockout stage, yeah. I'd expect Masar- Marcelo to start, and mm-hmm. I think um, this kid has started. He's definitely started in Madrid derby as well. Yeah, I he's... think Marcelo's only played in the first uh, Copa del Rey El Clasico against Barcelona. That's yeah. It. He's been benched the last few games, and I don't really know why. Because Regulon is like a—he's a good player. He's young, and he's—he's he's not anywhere near Marcelo's level. And even today, he didn't have a great game. So I don't really see no. why there must be maybe something going on behind the scenes. But Marcelo does not deserve to—to to ride the pine. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. It must be—you know—there's been links that he's going to Juventus here and there, although. That seems to be the norm these days that everyone's getting linked to Juventus. But it seems like that could be a little bit more credible considering the situation we find him Mm -hmm. to be in where he's getting benched for a 22-year-old kid who was on loan in the second division last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just just odd to me to see a player who I know a lot of people praise him for being just incredible. Yeah. So... I'm interested to see what they do with him. I think he might relish the chance to go back and play with Ronaldo at Juve. You know, one last time, those guys were Mm -hmm. those two are amazing together. So I I really Mm -hmm. can see it happening just because Ronaldo's already there. Uh, I want to mention something that I just saw. This little stat: Um, Matthias Delict, Ajax's 19-year-old center back, who is their captain, is actually the youngest Champions League knockout captain in the history of the tournament wow. today at 19 That's years old impressive. I mean leading leading 32 year old Lassie Shana and 29 year old Daily Blind and 30 year old Dusan Tadic I mean that is unbelievable I don't I mean I, I like how like how is he captain that's unbelievable and he's a good captain as well and he's got you know the the presence to be the captain as well I mean he's six foot like three or something like that and he yeah. play he plays like a like like he's been around for a long time he plays like a veteran so yeah, mm-hmm. that's a interesting I, I'm, I'm consistently impressed by what I see from him. Uh, that big body, I always like in my center backs too, and mm-hmm. it seems like he's also technically sound. Yeah. Um, with his passing as well, he seems to to be able to get some long balls to even wingers, mm-hmm. not even just passing it to fullbacks. But I, I like what I see, and he would be one of the uh, short list of center backs that I would definitely want on my team. Oh yeah, he. he I think for I most big clubs at the moment, he's probably right up there but I think he might be out of distance for clubs maybe like Spurs Dortmund Arsenal I think he's gonna end up at Bayern or maybe Juve who have you know Keelan he's like 34 I would think that he would go to Bayern in all honesty Mm -hmm. I just have a feeling that Dutch players 
I I would have I would have thought that a German league. Mm-hmm. But uh, they just signed Benjamin Pavard, who I think is gonna be playing center back, and then they obviously really? have Suli. So yeah. I I'm not sure. I think I think Juve might be where I predict him to go since you know Bonucci and Chiellini are into their thirties now. And yeah, I, I mean Regani is not playing. Yeah, I don't know, man. I like he. I don't know how he hasn't retired. I think he was going to, and they convinced him not to. Maybe because they were waiting for Delict. Maybe they were waiting to sign Delict this summer. <laughs> I mean, it's just it just seems odd for a top 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 five team in the world to want a thirty six year old man who, you know, isn't hasn't been really. Like he's been nothing special. Like he's been good. Don't get me wrong. But he's been yeah. nothing special. Man, do you remember last year when he was playing right back? That was yeah, ridiculous. That's, that's that was the slowest. That's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> and that shows why Lichtensteiner should not be signed by your yeah. Arsenal. I, yeah, I, oh, that is a that is a really poor signing. And we got absolutely robbed with that zero dollar transfer fee for that guy. <laughs> oh my god. I like genuinely like I like every when he got signed for Arsenal, everyone's like, "Oh, he's gonna bring leadership. He's gonna he's gonna you know he's gonna make Bayer in better by giving advice." Man, that guy has cost us so many goals and so many games. And now that now that Bellerin's out for the season, it's like, man, what the hell are we gonna do? It's like I'm you actually scared. Well, Ainsley Maitland Niles is gonna play right back, and he's a lot better than Luke anyway. So I don't, I'm just scared. But anyways. Ajax yeah, gave up. Depression. Yeah, <laughs> that's for another time. That's for that's for tomorrow in Europa League. But uh, yeah, I mean Spurs are going to go to the quarterfinals, which we're going to get to in a minute. While Arsenal are you know out in Belarus playing against a a, wi- a Wi-Fi password. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Ajax gave away two away goals here, and they're down by one going into the second leg. Is there any hope for them to get back into this? I give him a twenty percent chance, and that's really? that's me mm. being generous. Wow. Me being generous. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think. Uh, oh, I think I think if they put on the hunter, <laughs> the class mm-hmm. Jan Hunter, I think <laughs> he, he could bag them a goal, man. Because I remember I remember watching the Schalke game a couple of years ago, and that memory has kind of always stuck with me. Yeah, it was one of the the prime great Champions League games that I've, I've watched over the years, and I don't know. I just I just kind of think that this youthful team. Um, is going in there to just kind of just play their game. They're not gonna. Mm-hmm. They're just gonna. They're gonna be kids essentially and just go for the kill. Yeah. Um. I don't think they have anything to lose. Definitely. Oh yeah. Um. I don't assume any, but any press in the in the Netherlands are expecting them to make it through. So they have no pressure. Mm-hmm. So, and they have talent. I mean, Dion is going to. Bromwich's rival Barcelona. Oh yeah, he's going to be league. fired up for that game for sure. He's going to yeah, he's going to want to impress. He's going to be, you know, I, I honestly think he could stay at uh, Ajax for another year just to develop a little bit more, mm-hmm. and eventually yeah. he'll go to a top club, bar yeah. an injury, and then they have all around decent talent, and I think I think they'll give them a decent run of their money, and yeah. you also got to see how Real Madrid's form does against. In the second leg of the Copa del Rey against Barcelona, mm-hmm. yeah, I I can see Ajax definitely coming back into it. Just not you know not a gr- not like amazing chance you know, but you know cra- yeah, crazier things have happened. I mean, last year with Roma coming back against Barca from what four four one down. I mean three one three one I believe. Yeah. Oh, was it four one? Might have been four one. I don't know. Some like, but regardless, it was crazy. So you never 
really know. What's the percentage you would give Ajax to advance? Probably just less than 20, like 15. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, they are going to be playing the Bernabeu against two away goals and against the home side, so I think it's around that would be fair. Yep. So Spurs against Dortmund on Wednesday from Wembley Stadium. Uh, the injury bowl, basically. I mean, no Royce, no Kane, no Ali, no Davies, no Dyer, no Danny Rose, no Paco Alcacer, no Lukas Piszczek, no Julian Weigel. That is about nine starters right there across the, the 22 that would have been on the pitch that are gone. And, you know, to sort of cope with that, Goetze was playing up front. You know, Dortmund, Dortmund were playing with no striker, basically, and Tottenham have been playing with no striker for the last month or so. Um, yeah. Jan Vertonghen was playing left back, which I thought was was really crazy, and I thought Jaden Sancho was going to rip him up, but he didn't, and it was actually kind of the opposite, which we'll get to later. But, I mean, I was interested to see, to see how this game went, you know, how how Dortmund would cope without Royce and Alcacer, how Spurs would, you know, cope without without uh, Danny Rose on that left side and without Eric Dyer in midfield. I mean, their midfield is Winks and Sissoko, which, you know, isn't, you know, the highest of quality. And out wide, Serge Aurier, who has always been a disappointment, and then a centre-back in Jan Vertonghen. But then, end of the day, they have Eriksen, they have Hungman Son, which means you can always win the game, which we kind of saw. I mean, the 47-minute Son's opener was amazing. And it was Vertonghen, like I mentioned before, who put in, you know, an amazing cross. And I could not believe when he put that in. I mean, that was perfect and yeah that was a world class yeah and i couldn't believe, i mean he's not he, like i wouldn't expect him to be able to do that i mean he's a big guy but uh yeah i mean it was son's fourth goal in four games since returning from the asian cup and man right when they need him he is on fire i mean they needed the goals without kane without ali those are their two best goal scorers essentially other than son and he stepped up to the plate ever since coming back and I mean, he's been a joy to watch over the past, you know, year or so. I think Pochettino deserves a lot of credit for turning him into the player he is. 83rd minute, Vertonghen scored from um, from inside the box. You know, he got in the end of a ball, kind of just slotted home. It was it was a great finish as well and, you know, just adds to the amazing game he had. And three minutes later, Fernando Llorente hit it in off a corner to make it 3-0. Dortmund kind of shot themselves in the foot here. I mean... You know, one oh, yeah. a one nil loss would have been okay, and they had that in the bag at least in the 80th minute, 82nd minute, and they just they just bottled it. I mean, those two goals just killed them off. And you know, you do, you do think, oh well, we didn't have Royce, we didn't have you know Alcácer, but you know, I mean, you got to work with what you've got, and they didn't really. And now people are starting to raise questions as to you know how good is the Bundesliga really? You know, is it de- depreciating now? I mean top of the Bundesliga Dortmund get battered by Spurs and yeah I, I, I think um, I think for about two years people have kind of realized that the Bundesliga level of competition is slowly going down in terms yeah. of that I've always thought of them as the fourth best league and unless Bayern does something spectacular in the Champions League like win a treble yeah um, <laughs> like they're usually fourth, unless unless Byron does something. They're usually like third for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think now France is is at the moment a better yeah. league than 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 Bundesliga. the Bundesliga is, and it's just it's just yeah. uh, unfortunate for Dortmund. Really, I yeah. mean, they got hit with some bad injuries, but also 
you got to have a secondary striker than, other than um, Philip and Gota. I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, you know, Gota has been a great player, or been a, been a good player with a great yeah. moment in the World Cup, but yeah. I don't know. I, I just can't see... I just can't really understand how they gave up a 3 nothing like, deficit to, yeah. to Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Sancho and, and Pulisic is, is definitely going to be getting a lot of heat from his performance oh, today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. $70 million to a, a local London rival mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't look good for them at all. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought Dortmund had some missed chances in the first half as well. Um, going back to Pulisic on the left side in the in the six yard box, he, he just shot it right at um, Loris when <laughs> maybe he could shot uh, or done a, a ground cross to Sancho maybe to for an open net tap in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it seemed that the Tottenham really uh, put on the pressure as they like to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but in all seriousness, they they seem to to put on some really good pressure that forced some crucial, crucial um, giveaways that led to great crosses yeah, and good finishing. Mm-hmm. And Vertonghen was easily the man of the match today by yeah. far. Yeah. A great, a good finish for a center back and a like a world-class cross. <laughs> I mean, and he, he also has played for, as a left back, for Belgium. So this is yeah. not an unusual position for Vertonghen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And definitely a very underrated player. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Like, he's, an, he's a utility man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's been a great center back in the Premier League for a few years now. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's nice to see him translate that to another position. So, going to Spurs as a whole, I mean, they haven't signed a player in 13 months now. Not a single one for the first team. 13 months. They haven't been playing in in you know their own stadium for about the same period. I think maybe longer. I think a year and a half now. You know their stadium's still not ready, and they moved out of White Hart Lane a long time ago. They've been playing at Wembley, which is where this game was. So no new players, no stadium, and then in, in the last month and a half ish, they've had no Deli Alley, no Harry Kane, yet they are still in the Premier League title race. I think they're five or seven points back of Liverpool. You know, which is very reachable with thirteen ish games left. And now they've got basically, you know, three quarters of their body into the Champions League quarterfinal. Um, I mean, yeah, does, definitely going to. I mean, I know they haven't won any trophies, but does Pochettino deserve to be praised for working with what he's got? I mean, I think he's overachieving. I would agree with that. Um, I was thinking about, you know, it, it always comes to, it seems as though Tottenham's kind of a stepping stone for a lot of people in terms of, when, when they're thinking about this team, mm-hmm. um, just because of the fact that you're right, they haven't won anything. And I mean, I don't, I personally don't count Capital One Cups or Cabrero Cups as a trophy at all. Yeah. I think the Super Cup is more important than that. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, I think Pochettino's really has overachieved with this squad. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be, it will be interesting to see how all these players um, adjust to. To if he leaves to yeah. United or another big club, yeah. Um, I've always thought of Pochettino as a as a manager that I would want on my side. Yeah, um, definitely. Just because of the fact that it seems as though Tottenham and Atletico are somewhat similar in terms of 
where they are in terms of their league and their quality. Yeah. But also the fact that he, he can build a squad, like you mentioned in previous podcasts before. Um, and I, I think he's, you know, he's, he seems like a, he seems like a manager that I would want to play for. Yeah. I always, I always want to see it in, in my, uh, coaches. Yeah. Or in, in any professional sport, I like to think of if I would like this guy, just off the little bits that I can see, like a person like Mourinho, I wouldn't watch him just because it seems though he'd be super critical of everything you would do. Mm-hmm. But Pochettino seems like a lighthearted kind of guy. You know, he was laughing after the uh, the, um, the game on a post-match uh, interviews. Yeah. And, um, I mean... Spurs played a great game. Nothing else could be said. Yeah. Um, Excuse me me for that rant that's about to happen. This is for the Arsenal fans out there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Pochettino, when they got knocked out of the FA Cup, said that, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just the FA Cup, and we got knocked out of the FA Cup, Carabao Cup. It doesn't matter. What matters now is top four and getting as far in the Champions League as possible. Everyone's like, no, you haven't won trophies. You have to win trophies. Trophies are everything in the sport. I mean, what is an FA Cup going to do for Spurs right now? I get it. They haven't won in a decade, and it would be nice for them to win something, but they are building something way bigger than that right now. And, you know, it doesn't really matter not winning the FA Cup at the moment because, you know, they're... For them, it's all about funds right now. You know, they got to pay for the stadium. They have to sign players eventually. And, you know, getting top four is massive money compared to... I mean, winning an FA Cup is, I think, one-seventh of the funds that getting into the round of 16 in the Champions League gets you. So, I mean, they've got way bigger fish to fry. And Arsenal fans are like, oh, but we won the FA Cup. We won the FA Cup three times. You guys didn't win anything. Look look at yourself in the mirror. Spurs are way ahead of Arsenal right now. They they aren't even looking at Arsenal anymore. They've got their sights set way further ahead than Arsenal are. And Arsenal fans are still going on about these FA Cups that did absolutely nothing for the club. Maybe the first one, 2014 Rams. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, they were great to win. And I enjoyed all three of them. But they didn't do anything for the side. We got worse every year after we won them. So, like, it, it doesn't make a difference to a team. It's just a nice little trophy to have. But long term, it's top four and it's Champions League progression that you want. Spurs are doing that. Arsenal are not doing that. So there's literally nothing to debate here. I mean, Spurs are miles ahead at the moment. And it's tough to see, but it's the truth. So there you go, Arsenal fans who keep beefing me on Twitter for saying that FA Cups don't matter. That's for you. So yeah, we're going to... Yeah, no, I'm pissed. I hope... I hope Arsenal fan TV picks us up so they can just rip us apart. That would be some great publicity for us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, to I should, your point yeah. on on what what does the club want? Um, I think that's the main thing about it. Is Spurs need to get money? Um, Spurs can't be messing around in Europa League trying to win it because that's also like I think that's like poof, one fourth of even winning the whole yeah. thing. Is, yeah. To, to compare to going to the knockout stage, it's not even close in terms of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about getting top four, and it's all about getting to quarterfinals. Even se- dare I say they get to a semifinal? Yeah. Dare I say it? I don't see I why mean, not. They can that. compete with with teams bigger than them. They've they've proved that the last few years in in the Premier League. Yeah. They can always punch yeah. out their way. I I would not be surprised to see them make the semifinals. Finals? Yeah, I'd be surprised, and I would be. Furious. Finals would be a, a bit surprising, but yeah. we've seen Roma, exactly. and I think 
Spurs are definitely a better side than Roma. Yeah. Get to the semifinals last year. Luck of the draw. Yeah. That's true. There's always a... I mean, Roma maybe didn't get the look of the draw last year, but they they pulled it out when they beat yeah. Barcelona. Yeah. So that's Definitely. that's the credit where credit is due, and and who knows, maybe maybe Spurs get a Roma or a Porto the next round. You never know. And if they do play Real Madrid, so what? They could they beat them last year. Yeah. They could do it again. Finished above them last year, actually. Yeah. Which is, uh... And and also when you got a player like Kane and Eriksson, and you have. You know, Butongan and Alderweil, mm-hmm. that's a good spine. That's a exactly, really good yeah. spine to have. Um, I do think that, you know, winning the FA Cup is more important than getting top four, in my opinion. But really? To what, well, it's just, it, the sport is always about winning. Mm-hmm. But for them, I mean, it's about maintaining funds, right? I mean, getting top right. four. Right, and, and, and that point is definitely correct. You make a def, definite, like, that's a, that, is a, that is a true statement. Mm-hmm. And in terms of just, like, maybe take out the um, situation that Tottenham and Arsenal are in. Yeah, yeah. I think, I definitely think getting a, a trophy, a meaningful trophy, in my opinion, there's only four, Europa League is the bottom one, then it's the, the cup then it's the domestic league, and then it's the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's something that the fans want to see. They want to see their teams with trophies at the end of the year. Um, but but with the circumstances, you're right. Tottenham are, you know, they're, they're ahead of of Arsenal. And they have been for maybe even a couple of years. Yeah, they, they finished above you guys, and and they were the ones when Leicester won the league. They were the ones at the very edge. I know that they didn't finish ahead of you, but they were. Mm-hmm. They were. They're close, and ever since they've yeah. gotten, they've gotten better and better with no signings. Yeah, I do think if if you know if that board can somehow stump up eighty million for a transfer window, maybe a hundred. Actually, no, maybe a bit more. Maybe only like a hundredish million. I I could definitely see them challenging for a title like very strongly. I mean, they've got as you mentioned a great spine. They've got the two great center backs who are, you know, fit to for a title winning team. They've got Kane, Ali, Son, Eriksen who are all fit for a title winning team. The issues are at fullback and in center midfield. I mean, Danny Rose good enough to start for for a winning team. Kieran Trippier, not so much. They might need somebody else in that position. I mean, him and Serge Aurier have been sort of sort of sharing the duties over the last couple of years, and neither of them has really, you know, hit new heights, hit gotten them to a new level. So, I think right back and maybe two central midfielders and the Spurs team is oh, and a backup striker. I mean, Llorente is not going to to play no, at a high level. Scored much. today yeah. off the way you expect Llorente to score. Yeah, he basically just out muscled his man. Got into a good position, and I don't even—I don't even know how much of his his head went on that yeah. ball, but <laughs> yeah. he, he slightly redirected that into the net. Yeah, but here's the issue for which Spurs, is you, which which is all they asked for from him, yeah. I, I assume. Yeah, but I'm saying how this is what the issue is for Spurs. I mean, if they're going to get those players I mentioned—the backup striker, center midfield, right back—they have to do it before Kane wants to leave and before Pochettino gets snatched away by somebody. They can't, you know. I mean. They can't afford for this team right now to fall apart before they get stronger. You know, they got to yeah. find a way this summer to keep Kane, keep Pochettino, sign those players, get a good run next year, and you know, 
either keep them or move them on if maybe you succeed in, in achieving something. Here's a scenario that I want to throw at you and I want to get your <laughs> unbiased opinion for sure. If somehow Liverpool and Man City stumble a couple times against smaller clubs yeah. and Tottenham really picks up the pace and they win the league, do you expect Kane and Pochettino to for surely stay and to see them sign a player or two or maybe three or four like you mentioned? Yeah, I think they would stay. I think I think Harry Kane is staying regardless. I don't see any rumors with him leaving at all, and I think he's really invested into that football club. Pochettino is the one who is rumored to leave, and you know he's been linked most heavily to Manchester United. But you know now we're hearing Solskjaer is set to stay as permanent manager. I think regardless of whether they win or not, those two will stay. But I think if they do win the title, God forbid, I think those two would stay and they would continue building a stronger team. I think you know they would that that would be that would be the the sign that you know things are moving in the right direction. I mean, a title win would be huge for them. It would be their first in fifty plus years, and I know I know that's what Harry Kane wants. I mean, he knows he's at a level in his game where he deserves to be winning high high class trophies. So you know, if Spurs don't get that within the next couple of years, I think he's gone. But they oh, win yeah, the title. Sure. I think um, I think if Spurs don't win a, a major 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 trophy, I'm talking. The two on the Champions League and the uh, the Premier League, the, the team changing trophy that you, you've also mentioned. Um, I think I think this whole kind of great squad could could end up being you know will they always be fifth, sixth, fourth, that yeah. kind of side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's difficult because to say. It just it seems. I mean, obviously, we don't know what the future holds. Yeah. Um, so it, it could go either way, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they win a couple trophies here exactly, yeah. and they just become this powerhouse in England somehow, mm-hmm. or do they fall back into the, I would never say irrelevancy, because I don't think teams like Everton, Bilbao, Valencia, or like Torino are irrelevant at all, mm-hmm. but I think they're just... They, they would be that mid-table side that you don't you know that they'll give you a good show mm-hmm. on the day I don't I don't expect Spurs to drop down like that but I think that there is a possibility that that could happen yeah there always is a possibility and you, I mean you look at teams like Leeds were Champions League finalists and Premier League top three all the time and now they're in the championship I mean it's it's always a possibility I mean with the finances yeah. these days maybe less than it used to be but I think, oh, I think that's the, 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 the main thing. The, what today's finances is, is the major difference. That Premier League deal just doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, uh, it's interesting times in North London, and the, the fan bases definitely are, are um, <laughs> getting riled up. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I mean, going even going back to the finances, um, you know, all the top teams have tons of money, which makes it difficult for them to sort of fall down the pecking order. I mean, in the Premier League top six, I mean, regardless of how, how poor a team is playing, they're still most likely going to finish sixth. I mean, I don't think even Everton and them can't really challenge Arsenal or Chelsea, regardless of how poorly they're playing for those spots now. But even if you have 
tons and tons of money to spend in the market. And by tons and tons, I mean maybe like a hundred million plus. It depends on how you spend it, right? I mean, if you're gonna go yeah. and if you're gonna go spend thirty five million on Mustafi, thirty five on Jaka, twenty on Lucas Perez, you're not gonna get very far, right? And we've seen that. So, <laughs> sorry, this is my Arsenal Arsenal shots fired fired podcast here today. But I mean, it it raises a fair point. As in, you ha- even even if you have tons of money, you have to spend it right, and things yeah. can always go wrong. Recruitment is a huge thing in every sport, mm-hmm. every way possible. You, whether it's a youth youth teams to the the, the highest of the high um, mm-hmm. it's always it's always best to invest your money wisely in anything mm-hmm. um, and it seems like Tottenham has really done that well I mean Lucas Mora was considered uh, would you consider Lucas Mora a flop from PSG I think so yeah I think with the hype he got so, when he entered yeah so the, the way he's they've transformed him from a, ma- a, a, a flop of a wonder kid to you know he's a very good player mm-hmm. a very good player and I, I do like him a lot and Son has just transformed into a <laughs> I mean the G-Song Park now mm-hmm, yeah. he's, back. he's he's up he might not be at that exact level but you know he's getting up there for sure if, mm-hmm. if anything yeah definitely okay so finally we'll move on to Roma versus Porto at the Stadio Olimpico um no offense to either of these teams, but I don't think many people were watching this one, unless you were watching it, you know, side by side with the United PSG game. But regardless, or you were a Roma or Porto fan, we're not trying to get yeah, Portuguese yeah, yeah. or Italian. They have to understand. Him. I mean, re- I mean, you know, regardless of who was watching, who wasn't, this game still had tons of quality in it. Um, people Definitely. see Porto and think, eh, you know, they're not a top five league team, whatever. But I mean, Iker Casillas is a legend of the game. Alex Tellez and Eder Militao are currently linked with the biggest clubs in Europe, basically. Militao, I think, is linked with Real Madrid for a transfer. Um, he can play center-back, right-back at a very high level. I think he's playing right-back in this game. And then you move into midfield, Danilo, Her- Hector Herrera, Yassine Brahimi. Good players for Roma, you know, their usual. Daniele De Rossi is somehow still playing in there. Uh, Cristante, Zaniolo, who will get to a minute, all playing, Manolas, all that. So, still a great game. Um, bit strange. Shots on target. Roma 9, Porto 2. Possession, though, all in Porto's favor. So, you can kind of tell that they controlled the game for the most part, but weren't really able to get much in the final third. I mean, Dos Santos and Tequino starting up front for them. But 70th minute, Nicola Zaniolo sort of got the ball in the box. He kind of missed his first touch. Kind I mean, like, he, he tried to take a touch, yeah. touch inwards, and he kind of missed it. And then it fell onto his right foot, and he's like, whatever, I'll have a go. And then he struck it far corner, scored. Six minutes later, Jekko strikes him off the post and it falls to Zaniolo, who, you know, finishes simply. 79th minute, Adrian Lopez, sliced finish. Kind of gets them back in the game, but eventually it did finish 2-1 with all three goals coming within the span of about 10 minutes. Roma on course, kind of, to get to the quarterfinals once again. And for a team that's struggling in Serie A right now, I think that's a major achievement for them if they can get past this once more. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they definitely got the best luck of the draw, like you yeah. were saying in the last um, last um, game we are talking about. But mm. I definitely think this is going to be one of the more competitive second-leg fixtures. Yeah. Porto has is first in the Portuguese league, and there always seems to be there always seems to be a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Around a sixteen, 
Um, especially when they get a favorable matchup like Roma. Yeah. I would definitely say that Porto wanted Roma over a lot of other teams that they could have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, also, to say that the, about the first goal, the the um, positioning and the strength that Zeko so, showed against Pepe was uh, very impressive for me. Mm-hmm. I've always been a big fan of Dzeko. Um, one of the only real target men that I would consider to be good enough for a a Premier League or a La Liga or a title-winning squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always been a very, very, very good player. It's basically um, him and Mandzukic, you know, as the those two that are capable of you know it's, playing. It's it's funny how you mentioned Mandzukic because when both of them played for Wolfsburg, Jekyll and Mandzukic, yeah. they won a Bundesliga in yeah. 2009, <laughs> and they're only one. Yeah, so that's crazy. It really does show that, and also Jekyll scored that second goal when Man City came back from yep. um, who was it? Oh, QPR, QPR yeah. to win them their first league title. You know, he got that header right before Guerrero scored. Yep. Um, he's always been very good. And yeah. I've always really liked Very, Very play. underrated player for a long time. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think, though, that Porto can get back into it. Yep. Um, it's just, they have to kind of neutralize Jekyll and they can't really make a mistake or yeah. I mean I, I would never say like that, that second goal where it went off the post and then then Leo got got that uh, rebounded goal that was just like uh, just heartbreaking for, for Porto but yeah. that, that can't happen in the second game for them for sure mm-hmm. and that away goal is a really 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 big thing for them that definitely keeps them in, in yeah, the tie definitely, yeah. a healthy tie kind mm-hmm. of thing Porto, in the league at home, nine wins and one loss. So, I mean, they're a strong home team, clearly. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think, you know, I, I, I mean, whenever whenever the home team wins the first leg, but the away team keeps the scoreline, you know, within one and still gets the wiggle, I still think it's a, essentially a 50-50 tie. I mean, yeah. you're still expecting the home team to win the second leg. And depending on, you know, the scoreline... Porto are still very much in this tie, you know, regardless of of this this result. Um, Certainly, I, I want to mention one thing. Um, <laughs> in I think about the the eighty second minute or so, um, Kolarov had a shot that was point blank, maybe like ten yards away from Casillas, and it seemed as though the shot came at such a such a high velocity of speed that Casillas didn't save it with his hands he saved it with his jaw oh dear <laughs> and i just wanted to say that you know he he went down afterwards and, <laughs> and that shot definitely definitely would knock out a couple people in the world for sure and it, it would <laughs> not feel good and i just i've always liked Eker, even though he's been a, a, a huge real madrid legend i thought the most disgusting thing i've ever seen in in soccer was how they treated him yeah going out and I, I'm, I'm happy that one he is okay from that shot because I don't think I definitely think that that could be a possible concussion <laughs> even though nobody wants to talk about concussions in soccer for yeah. sure but I think that could be one um, well, Kolarov's got a <laughs> wicked foot too so yeah, I definitely and believe you on that to, to mention that Kolarov has a, a, a shot that is recognizable on, yeah. on his um, style of play just a yeah. behemoth of a, of a shot yeah. 
man, he, I mean, at his age, he's still a very talented player. I mean, I, I know yeah. you always mention that him and Marcelo are by far the best left backs to watch, and I mean, it's still oh, that way far. now, and they're both in their thirties. Yeah, I mean, Colorado, I've seen done more Ronaldo chops when I've been when I've been watching soccer. So that goes back to twenty thirteen. Um, I've seen him do more Ronaldo chops than Cristiano Ronaldo himself, <laughs> and it's, it's it's that's not a diss at all. Yeah, but it's just it's just it's weird to think about. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's always a player that I've really liked, um, and I was kind of surprised that City let him go for free. I mm-hmm. get that he's a little older, and maybe Pep didn't want to keep him because of the fact that he was getting old. Mm-hmm. But you know he he had the the Pep Guardiola quality. I I felt yeah. And City have a have a left back issue right now. I mean Benjamin Mendy is injured again, just on and off, and no, I think he is becoming a bit of a waste. Ever that injury bug. Yeah, I think man, I think I think he's gonna he's his level is gonna go down significantly as for like his potential. You know, I I think it's gonna decrease now with him not really playing that often for two years basically. But yeah, yeah. they've been like starting Laporte at left back, which is ridiculous because he's a, he's a world class center back and. You know, they, they could have really used Colorado regardless of his age and, you know, as a backup, I think he would have been fine. Yeah, I mean, they, they've played Zinchenko there and they've exactly, played... Exactly, yeah. Delph, Delph, Delph. Delph, yeah. They've played the snake there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I want to talk about a bit about Nicola Zaniola before we wrap up. Um, mm. They grabbed him in exchange... I mean, they get, they got him from Inter in exchange for Rajan Angolan, who is you know Ooh, currently yeah there. currently you know you know as many as not many but as I would have predicted currently dropped out of the Inter squad for disciplinary reasons and now Roma have themselves a fantastic young player who is who is scoring goals at the highest level at 19 years of age. Um, a brace in the Champions League round of 16 is no joke. I mean, I I know you know the goals were a bit. You know, it, I mean, the first one he didn't even mean to to you know get that onto his right foot, and the second one was a pretty simple goal, but yeah. still a crucial moment for the kid. I mean, as I mentioned, his fifth goal in all competitions, two assists in twenty two games, and he is you know he's becoming a starter now for Roma. You know, one of the first names on the team sheet, and he is now becoming a part of this Italian generation that is looking very very strong at a time where they yeah. needed it most. I mean, 2010-2014 World Cups knocked down the group stage. 2018 didn't qualify whatsoever. And now they got guys like Chiesa coming in, um, Donnarumma. Uh, I'm blanking. Yeah, yeah. Cutrone, Moise Keane, um, Barella, and then Zaniolo and, and, and some of the others, man. They've got a good generation coming up. And I think them, England, and oh, I'm blank. Who, who's the other one with the really strong up? Brazil. Brazil, oh, and, and Netherlands as well, yeah. Brazil, those four have a really good up-and-coming group of players right now. And uh, I do think I do think world football is going to, you know, start being unkind to Spain and Germany over the next few years, as it has been, you know, at the 2018 World Cup. Both of them, you know, underperformed, and they've been the dominant team for the past decade or so. I do think it's going to start turning back to Italy, England, um, Netherlands and Brazil like it was in the 2000s maybe not Netherlands but the other three and I'm really excited to see what this Italian generation can do because a lot of them are playing at really high levels I mean Donnarumma I think made his 150th appearance and he's 19 yeah. and it feels like he's been around for uh, forever 
have been. I, I remember him being like 17, 18 when I was back when I was watching a lot of big matches all the time, and, mm-hmm. and he was starting against Inter, and he saved a penalty there. Mm-hmm. I always remember that, and you know, maybe it's maybe like Spain is definitely on their way down. Yeah. Um, I don't think the talent that they have coming up is gonna is gonna ever. I don't think any talent for the next 20 years is going to ever eclipse what that Spanish team did oh, yeah. in an eight-year span. It's just it's just hard for me to think that that could happen. Yeah. Um, but I think I think some players that are, are mis, misused in their clubs, um, I think some players just don't get enough attention in, in some clubs as well. Yeah. I think Germany, I don't, I would never say that they're going to go all the way down. Yeah. And, and obviously, I don't think Spain are as well. Mm-hmm. Although, hitting rock bottom might not be the worst thing. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you got you to gotta hit the nuke button and reset everything. Yeah, and um, I mean, you see that with Italy and Netherlands, who both failed to qualify in the World Cup. Netherlands failed in 2016 Euros as well. And now, like I just mentioned, two of the strongest cores of young players now, so... I mean, yeah. you, you gotta sometimes take two steps or take one step back back before you take two forward, right? So yeah, I mean, it's it's always everything always comes back to being normal for a certain amount of time. Um, also, another question: how how did like England England in the two thousands? I didn't think were always that impressive from what I've heard. Yeah, no. Um, I don't think so. I mean, they didn't even qualify for Euro 2008. I meant more like the strength of their squad in general. Uh, they really the struggled to... F- yeah, exactly. Never... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, look at the individual players. I mean, you know, like... Yeah, no, Skulls, no, Jared Lampard. I, I yeah. just wanted to clarify that because mm-hmm. I didn't get it at first, but now I mm-hmm. do. Yeah. But, I mean, like, if you, if you look at England, I mean, they obviously had the strongest players in that 2000s era, but the chemistry was all off. I mean... You got mm, arguably three of like the top six or seven central midfielders in the world at the time in Gerard Lampard's goals. You know, Scholes got. I mean, one of them. You know, back back then it was four four two. So one of them had to shift out wide, and they picked Paul Scholes. So Paul Scholes, one of the best central midfielders ever, is playing left wing, and then David Beckham's playing right wing, and then Rooney and Owen up front. Gerard Lampard as a, as a midfield pivot. Um, Terry and Ferdinand as the center back pairing, Neville and Cole as your fullbacks, and then goalkeeper. Ah, that was your goalkeeper. It was like on and off. Sometimes it's like David James and and uh, what's his face, Robert Green. I think goalkeeper is a weakest position, but I mean they had an amazing team and they just couldn't couldn't find the chemistry, couldn't find the right manager for that group of players. So I mean on paper though, maybe giving a. a- three-man midfield with uh, Scholes, Lampard, and Gerrard, or put in Beckham there mm-hmm. would have changed a little bit, or... I don't know. I mean, like... back in that day, nobody really played like that, so it, it might have been... I mean, I'm not an expert on 2000s football, so I wouldn't really know, but, you know, if... if um Sometimes in eras where everybody's playing similar systems, if you're... Um, operating in a different one, if you choose to go completely different, it can either destroy you or it can make you, you know, a step above everybody else. And we see that sometimes. I mean, you know, with Antonio Conte switching to a back three when everybody is playing four, two, three, one, and then he won the title with Chelsea. 
and then everybody yeah. else started playing the three at the back, and then it took four three three for Man City to go and win it again. I mean, it's ever changing. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, they might have tried it and it didn't work. So I mean, I'm no expert. So, anyways, yeah. I think um, we can wrap it up there. If or is there anything you want to say before we uh, peace out? I just want to say that. Um... The Europa League ties are going to be uh, a little <laughs> interesting. Uh, honestly, I actually do like watching the Europa League. Yeah. Um, a lot of people always laugh at when there's a... I like like Europa League is basically the second division of European competition. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that proves for more entertaining value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. You know, I mean, like, for instance, out of the four games... The worst one was probably Tottenham Dortmund because that was a, a whitewash and just yeah. a c- complete stompage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think PSG and Manu, although that was a, a fairly entertaining game, it's hard to live up to hype when when we have those big, big, big uh, names in. Mm-hmm. But Europa League generally delivers some some top quality uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually am excited to. See see when I'm at work, what I can watch. Yeah, um, there are some really, really good matchups in this round of 32. I mean, Lazio-Sevilla is basically even on paper. Galatasaray-Benfica is basically even on paper. Um, Celtic- I need Benfica to win. I, I don't want to hear any more comments on Instagram anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sporting-Villarreal is pretty decent as well, and Celtic-Valencia is going to be quite good. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the bigger teams have weaker opposition, but as the rounds progress, man, some of those matchups could be very, very good. I mean, Napoli, Chelsea, Inter, Arsenal are the main ones. And, you know, if those four are in the final four, that is must-watch football. That is must-watch football, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I so... I think teams like uh, a Valencia, a Sevilla, a Lazio, if they even get there too, that's also must-watch football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I enjoy watching these B-class teams play, even in their leagues. I mean... I mean, Napoli have been one of the best teams to watch in the world in recent years. Yeah. And uh, I, I always love watching teams in Europe that you don't really get to watch often. Um, what comes to mind is Celtic and Shakhtar are two teams who are very good that, you know, we don't really get to watch often. But when they play here against teams that are going to compete with them at a high level, it's going to be really good to watch. I mean, I mean, I missed this actually. Shakhtar Eintracht Frankfurt is a very good matchup as well. That is a good matchup. That's a very exciting matchup. Yeah. But next week in the Champions League is Lyon, Barcelona, and Liverpool, Bayern on Tuesday. Which one are you going to be watching? Definitely Liverpool, Bayern. Yeah, me too. I don't think that's any. I don't think that's questionable. And that's not even a question. I think Lyon has got a ten percent chance to beat Barcelona. Really? Maybe a fifteen. Maybe I mean, they beat Man City and they drew Man City as well in the group stage. I think. I, that's I mean, true, but they also drew. Who else was it? Uh, Hoffenheim I mean, and yeah, Shakhtar? Hoffenheim twice, and then they drew Shakhtar twice. So yeah, that doesn't fair. scream mm-hmm. um, a huge upset, but I always give teams a chance we're in the game. Even Schalke, I consider a 5% chance, and that's... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know. yeah, I think Schalke is the one who's going to get absolutely smashed here. And that's why I say 5%. Yeah, talking about Leon Barcelona, Barcelona have really relied a lot on Messi lately, and... If Leon can, you know, stifle him, it sounds simple and it's obviously not. But if they can do what yeah. what some of the teams in La Liga have done recently, and you know, if you, 
at least limit Messi somewhat. You know, don't let him take control of the game. Maybe he'll, he'll obviously come up with a goal or an assist. But, I mean, I mean, like, other than Messi, I mean, none of the Barcelona players are doing anything, really. I mean, Coutinho is garbage. And Suarez oh, yeah. is struggling. A, a massive disappointment. Yeah, and, you know, other than that, like, I mean, they've struggled with, like, I mean, not without Messi, but other than Messi... I mean, nobody's really coming up with things of their own. I mean, he's consistently bailing them out of games. So with Barcelona being that sort of being carried by Messi, I do think that they're prone to upsets here and there. So Yeah, you know, you and know I mean, we've seen it in the past Champions League times. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. But yeah, uh, and then Wednesday, mm, I wonder which one you're going to be watching. Oh, Atleti, definitely, Atleti definitely not that Ronaldo game. <laughs> Just kidding. Of course, it's got to be me and Atletico. Mm-hmm. I won't be on my phone during that time at all, so I'll be watching that when I get home, mm-hmm. completely live and free. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that is good. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Can't wait Even to make the jokes just... after. Oh, I'm getting ready. I'm stretching out my fingers painful. right now. It's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. <laughs> but it's hard, to, it's hard to one-up that Madrid Derby destruction yeah. that we that is true weekend, yeah. so so we'll see and the other game is Schalke Man City yeah definitely not tuning into that yeah I, I mean <laughs> as much as you weren't a fan of my club style of play I assume you're going to be watching Juve versus Atlanta yep. as well yep yeah definitely <laughs> I mean, Wait. it's not it's not hard to think for Liverpool Bayern who do you think is going to win yeah, that one is very tough to predict. I mean, more uh, than anything I mean, else in this round. I think I think the the popular opinion would be Liverpool because mm-hmm. they're playing a more competitive league, and the fact that they're in first, yeah, um, and they went to the Champions Final last year. But it's hard for me to to ever discount Bayern. I think they've always made the Bundesliga better than it actually is. Yeah, definitely. in terms of like. Like when you think of the Bundesliga, first thing you definitely think of is Bayern. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely think that the way that Bayern has dominated that league since 1974, um, Bayern Munich has not gone three seasons without winning the league title once, <laughs> which is terrible because yeah. of the fact that nobody wants to watch the league mm-hmm, other yeah. than a Bayern supporter. Mm-hmm. So they have limited themselves by being so good. They've limited yeah. the finances because they have no rivals. Yeah. Dortmund is a good rival, but they're not a Barcelona-Real Madrid-esque mm-hmm, rival. Yeah. They're not a Liverpool-Man United rival that gets people excited. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but I do think that, I think Liverpool will overcome, but like with Dortmund and Tottenham, I've been wrong on the prediction. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I wasn't. <laughs> did you say that Tottenham was going to win against Dortmund? Of course I did, because I'm a Tottenham fan, apparently. But uh, I want to re rewatch what we did. Yeah, I, I definitely we were will. talking about Harry Kane not uh, mm-hmm. not being in there. We were concerned. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right, Nick. Well, it was a pleasure having you on as usual. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. So thank you guys for listening. That was our first half of the Champions League round of sixteen first leg previews or sorry reviews. Um, we got a couple of games next week, and the ones that finished were fantastic, and I literally cannot wait for more. So thank you guys so much for listening.